Welcome to the podcast of the City Church here in Lake Charles. My name is Paul Pettifer, and we believe that the city should be different, and that's why we're planning the City Church. You are listening to a message given at our worship gathering or a conversation with our leaders, and what we're praying today is that this is a blessing to you and that you walk away encouraged about who Jesus is. Ptolemy, in the second century, postulated that the Earth was the center of the universe, that the Earth was still, and other planets orbited, and other planets rotated, but the Earth did not. The universe revolved around the Earth. It made sense, and people believed it for 1,400 years. In the 16th century came a man named Nicholas Copernicus, and he started poking around and asking questions. Why do some stars appear in the day and others at night? What causes the seasons to change? Does anyone know exactly how far ships can sail before falling off the edge of the earth? So then you had a cool guy named Copernicus, and he figured out the earth did not only uh, rotate, but also revolved around the sun. Scandal broke out. So everybody got really upset. The world doesn't revolve around us. So the church decided to go and get really mad, kicked out Galileo, kicked out Copernicus, and they put uh, Galileo on uh, house arrest. Later they shoved iron nails or copper nails up Copernicus' fingernails. It's pretty interesting. The church did that? Yes. He was under house arrest. So they both went and they pointed to the sun. They're like, that's the center of the universe. Um, so I guess there was a book and in the book it's not about me Copernicus what Copernicus did for the earth God does for our souls tapping the, the collective shoulder of humanity he points to the sun his sun and says behold the center of it all when God looks at the center of the universe he doesn't look at us God does not exist to make a big deal out of us we exist to make a big deal out of him have you ever wondered why you're here? Have you ever wondered why you exist? What, per what your purpose is here on earth? Left to ourselves, we come up with all kinds of answers that don't work, that don't make sense, that don't satisfy, and don't do us any good. We hear answers like, I'm not having my needs met. People just don't understand. I just need to focus on me for a while. Do what feels good. I need to deal with my issues. If it makes you happy, it must be right. And all of these bogus answers have the same thing in common. They're about us. But it's not about me. It shouldn't be. I am not the center of the universe. Sure about that? Yet too often, that is the way I think. So there are things inside of me. What about me? And look at me. What about the things that happen in life? How does the development or that development affect me? What does it do for me? How do people think of me? What does public opinion say about me? It is a constant struggle. And so, in James 4, God tells us about being proud and being humble. 
and this is what it says. I'm going to reread it, even though it won't be as good as Sean. I know. Because it's not about me. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from cravings that are war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and cover and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask and, do, and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you spend it on your evil desires. Adulteresses, don't you know that your friends with the worst with the world is hostility uh, with the world is hostility towards God. So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealousy? But he gives greater grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his, or criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law... You are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and destroy. But who you are and who, who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, uh, come now, you say, or today or tomorrow, you travel in such a city and spend a year, do, you'll do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears a while and vanishes. Instead, you say, if the Lord wills it, we will live it or do this or that. But if you boast, you boast in arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin for the person who knows what to do is good and doesn't do it. James 4 has some tough stuff in it. Adulteresses it refers to the congregation's unfaithfulness to God. That self-centeredness is hostility toward God. God resists the proud. And what that re that's James 4 says. And what that refers to is resist as a military term. And it's used to describe an army arrayed for battle. To remain in sinful pride is to invite God's battle army against you. But... The phrase, but he gives greater grace. But God gives greater grace. I don't know if I've ever been happier to see a but God moment. Yeah. <laughs> because but God gives greater grace introduces the main point. That God's grace is able to overcome unfaithfulness. God gives grace to the humble. So God gives grace to the humble. Now, the way you can do that is verse 8. It says, draw close to God and he will draw near you. Sounds good. Uh, oftentimes we lose sight of something in the morning and we wake up and we have the task to do. Our, our to-do list uh, ends up taking over what should be done first, which is 
focusing on God. Understanding the love he has and the need to exemplify his love uh, to, those who's un- to those unshown. Remember, after all, it's not the love you're showing. Uh, it's not yours, it's his. Your love has failed many times and has fallen in and out of simple things such as ice cream, TV, your favorite game, or even the person that you like. Often in high school, we go and we, we talk about people, and uh, you can go to a high school campus, and you place bets. I love him, I love him, and I've done this before because I coach high school. I'm like, I give it three weeks, and we, bet, we make bets on, on it as coaches. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um, so whose love do you actually want to show? Uh, that's pretty powerful. And in verse 10, it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. It kind of shows whose love is actually the one that you want to show. I struggle with pride daily, hourly, by the minute. Um, in verse 15, it says, Instead, you should say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That is hard. I... Um, because I like to manage everything. Um, I take a lot of pride in my managing skills, and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. But what I'm saying to God is get your army ready. Like, bring it on. We had a long talk about bring it on. <laughs> and, uh, and, when you, and when you look at it from that perspective, it takes me back to saying, but it's not about me. It shouldn't be. I'm not the center of the universe. But who better to have faith with life, with my life, than the one who created it? So, as we get to the end of James, uh, we're going to wrap it up. First, he goes and calls the congregation adulteresses or adulterers. And he finally has kind of a last message where he says... Uh, he decides to address the arrogant people. That can be me sometimes. So in 16 it says, But as it is, you boast in all your arrogance. All such boasts are evil. Um, so this, uh, so take this to heart and do what is uh, good. Work diligently to correct yourself uh, and make it more about God's love instead of yours. Uh, when you go and you focus something, uh, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm going to go do a mission. I'm going to go live my life. Uh, what mission are you actually doing? Yeah. Did you wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you need done? And then focus on his love. Am I going to go do a mission for slavery and go talk to a million people? Or am I trying to use God's love to change the actual situation? It's God's love that's doing it. Hopefully yes. it's not mine. Uh, mine's going to peter out in about 45 minutes with ADD. Uh, that's true. So, uh, so then it says, do what is good, and then you have to learn what is good. So off, uh, often you have to read the scripture and be, become a servant of the Lord. It's not just working for the Lord, you're working under the Lord. It's not, it's being that person down low, that janitor who's just cleaning. Their job is not saying, oh, I keep this building clean. It's, I work for somebody else. 
Most likely when you go about that and you ask the janitor, what are you doing? I'm cleaning because my boss told me to do so. And that's pretty powerful. And that makes it so you know that your part has so much bigger of a part to play than what you think it does. So you might often have to change your, your motives and change what you think is going to be the right thing every single time and start listening to his plan. There was one man in the Bible that just got it. He got that life was not about him and that God was the center of the universe. And that was John. John 3.22 says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon and Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everybody is going to him. To this, John replied, A man can receive only what is given, given him from heaven. You yourselves testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends to the bridegroom waits and listens and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now, com now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. John, go. Um, I'd like to close this message, uh, this, this message up as the band comes up. Um, I'm going to say a little prayer. God, just let us go out today with a perspective that removes our intentions and is centered on your love. Let us exemplify your love to people so that Christians are described as the actions of love and the sympathy displayed in your word. Let us maintain focus on your mission and keep us steadfast on the deeds you have planned to accomplish. With the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Give us that minute amount of faith so that even though it seems so small, that pure faith is what we strive for and it can accomplish your grace. In your name we praise. Amen. Amen.